Picture this. You've been doing serious work and have seen amazing results in your mindset, tremendous progress physically, and you're proud. And now, the objective is to be consistent and keep the progress rolling. Then, bam, you hit a plateau. And it's hard to tell what happens, what's going on. Join Dr. Cashy as he discusses self-sabotage and how to overcome your obstacles, even if that obstacle might be you. Roll the intro. Good morning slash day, everybody. Dr. Cashy here, and I am your host of Coffee with Cashy. Today is very exciting. I have, I'm like, I'm like tingly at the prospect of talking what I want to talk about right now. I am just epic stokeified. So I think I'm going to hop right into it. It's kind of beefy, but I believe in you guys. I believe in myself. We can make this work and, and do the, do the connection. Okay. I'm going to start this off by saying, when you say yes to yourself, when you start a new thing and do a deal and say, I'm going to do the stuff and accomplish the thing and, you know, maximize the, the way, right? It, when you resolve to change, uh, it's a great time, right? Say yes to yourself. Whenever you do that, you start playing out this movie in your mind, okay? I play movies in my mind too, just like I know you do. Everybody does it. You tell yourself story. You tell yourself stories about how, how things are going to happen, when things are going to happen, and what you think that means, okay? And the positive impact of all the amazing changes you're making. Managing your time, actively learning new things, beating procrastination, increasing your attention, becoming fitter, cutting away your flap, right? You're chugging along. A few days, a few, you know, a day, a few days, a week, a month, maybe even a couple months roll by, and then whoops, 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 like Kramer blasts through the door, right? Something happens. Something happens outside of your storybook land your perfect world situation that you created in your mind, uh, the energy you had to be productive, to master new skills, saying yes to yourself, it all got zapped away. <laughs> it all got zapped away. I see this happening. I can see your apathy creeping up, your enthusiasm draining, saying yes to yourself feels a little hollow. And uh, your concern for your success starts to feel a little pointless, starts to feel pointless. And even more inconvenient when I ask you about it, you draw a blank. That something that's throwing you off feels like a mystery. I've heard it many times. Dr. Cashy, I have no idea. My motivation is gone. Even a week ago, everything felt great. I just don't know what happened. And a little bit of detective work, and I, I can help you find out what, what happens. Right? I start tracing back and the behaviors make a little more sense. I help you find the impetus, the goof, starting the apathy snowball downhill. Peeling things back, I find out that maybe you overslept because your alarm was a stupid dummy head. Right? You set it to vibrate on accident. And this oversleeping ate away a good chunk of your morning. 
and that forced you to rush. In that rush, your morning routine went out the window. The few minutes of quiet you have before things get rolling is now gone. Poof. <laughs> what used to be your first meal is now a travel mug of dark steaming caffeine water. <sighs> or a drive through milkshake people call coffee, right? Delicious, by the way. <laughs> uh, you dutifully prepared your lunch the day before, but you left it at home. Forsooth, as Shakespearean writers would say, I think, forsooth. The checklist of all the things you need to do, who knows where the heck it is now. You get to your meeting, right? Go on the way to work. You get to your meeting a minute or two late, but that's okay. It's still close enough. You can salvage it. You snag a donut or two while somebody drones on about who knows what. You totally forget about taking your mid-morning walk as a short break from work. You know I'm a walker. Try and convince everybody to walk. Walking is great. I think most people like to get up during the day and stretch their legs. Screw that. Completely lost your mind because everything else got thrown out of whack. By the time your second meal rolls around, you go and reach for it, right? Because you packed your lunch the day before and it's gone. Dang it. <laughs> and your stomach cares about this much, this much about how your morning went, right? You're weak now. You're weak. Physically and mentally, it feels like. And you are now easily drug along, drug along by the lunch crew, right? The group of people that I'll go out to lunch with each other. I think everybody at their workplace knows, knows people that are like that. And you just go with them to wherever they're going. And you get there and you go, heck, I'll even have a margarita with lunch. Why not? The day went to hell anyhow. I can start again tomorrow. And the rest is now history. <laughs> the rest is now history. So we're going to break this down. We're going to break this down. All right. And when breaking this down, there are two classes of problems that become relevant to me. Two classes of problems that become relevant to you. Okay. There are tactical problems. These are problems you can prevent or address with good plans and acting on those plans. Some people have a plan A, fewer people have a plan B, but my winners, my winners, they have a part B as part of their plan A, a plan B as part of their plan A. <laughs> the contingency is the plan. The contingency is the plan, right? Setting your alarm to make noise instead of vibrate, you know, that's reasonable. Putting a light on, putting a light on your nightstand, putting that on a timer. So maybe a light turns on when your alarm goes off too. Keeping your alarm in the bathroom when the, with the door open so it echoes, then you're forced to get up and go turn it off and start your morning rituals and habits on autopilot. Bringing tomorrow's lunch today, right? Packing your lunch the day before is a great idea. But the lunch you eat today might be the one you brought yesterday, and the one you bring today is the one you eat tomorrow. This way, you always have one on deck. Or my favorite, keeping non-perishable meals in your truck, in your desk, in your car, wherever. I got food stashed everywhere and food that'll be good forever, right? Just little examples of things you can do. <clears throat> so those are some tactical issues, right? Tactical problems that can be solved with planning and execution and, and contingencies. And then there are thinking problems. And then there are the thinking problems, the irrational thoughts leading to ugly micro conversations with yourself. Mm giving yourself permission to self-sabotage. Fancy pants people might call these things like cognitive distortions, right? Where you tell yourself something that might be partially correct, but entirely wrong. <laughs> and it's easy to sink your teeth into those things. 
I already screwed up. It doesn't matter. This whole week sucks. I can't keep up with it. I'll start again tomorrow. It's pointless now. Looking back at the time when your plans start unraveling, it's important to keep these things in mind. There is a saying in academic science, at least where I, I was, where I studied, <clears throat> where I worked, and that's an hour in the library saves you 10 hours in the lab. And this applies pretty much everywhere. I've seen this sort of mentality echo across fields as well. Entrepreneurship, meetings, bean counters, right? Accountants in the type, right? A solid plan with contingencies saves you more energy than it costs to make. And this payout multiplies when, not if, you're presented with a situation where things go sideways. <laughs> you know where the plan you pulled out of your butt on the fly, it fails because something is slightly off? So to smooth everything out, you have to pull a plan out of that plan's butt. Overwhelm comes in and kicks you in the guts like a ton of bricks. Okay. And saying yes to yourself at this point, it feels like a fruitless endeavor. And it appears the effort and reward ratio has been beaten to hell. <laughs> it all feels dumb now. And you would be right. It is dumb now in this instance anyway. Now, on the cognitive side of things, these micro conversations you have, the astute viewer, the listener, the reader, they point out, hey, that part where I said I'll start again tomorrow, that's a problem. That's the part we need to fix because it always screws me. And you know what? You would be exactly right. For the most part, you are correct. But, and a big but, and a big but, <laughs> there's another sabotaging thought here, a sneakier one, and one that really started the apathy snowball. That's the one that, I mean, they all need to be addressing, but this is the most important one I think that needs to be addressed. And one that I can help you address if you need, right? You know where to find me. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, you had a micro conversation with yourself where you said some equivalent of, I don't care. You wrote it out. I, I don't care. You said this. You said this to yourself in one way or another, right? I don't care. Oh, okay. It comes in many forms, right? There's, there's quite a few ways to say it, okay? It's hard to catch because it's a completely illogical way to grant yourself permission to do anything. I'll expand that a little bit. It's one thing if you say to yourself, oh, it's my birthday, I'll make an exception, right? This is obvious, it's discreet, salient, right? Defending yourself against this level of self-sabotage is straightforward. When you tell yourself you've stopped caring, in one way or another, things get ugly fast. Things get ugly fast. Think about it. If you care about nothing, then that means anything goes. Ooh, it's amorphous. It's muddy. It's a poor descriptor, which means it can mean anything. And addressing it directly feels like you need a doctorate in existential philosophy. And I've talked to them about that. And even they have trouble. <laughs> but it's all good. The third person comes out. Dr. Cashy's got you. I gotcha, right? There's a stimulus, there is a response, and there is a space between. And my job is to help you expand that space as much as possible, giving you every opportunity to inject the logic you need. Maybe it was during the meeting. Maybe it was at lunch. Maybe it was on the way to work. Reading minds is difficult. I don't know, but I can walk you through it to help you find out. And this digging, we do cooperatively. Plus one for vocab. It's hard to say. <sighs> At some point during this series of unfortunate events, you made a conscious decision to give up on yourself and you meant it. And you meant it. 
And that's okay, by the way. That's okay. Maybe it was a fraction of a second during one of these many micro conversations you've had with yourself, but it was conscious and it was a decision. And that's good. That means I can help you do something about it. That's good. Imagine if things happen automatically. A lot of people trick themselves into thinking they do, but they are conscious and that is good. And that's why we expand that space between stimulus and response. This I don't care apathy snowball started. And over the course of the day, days, weeks, you give up on yourself saying this in some form over and over. I don't care. Okay. Here's the kicker. Here, here's where the nukes come. Recognizing that you give a rat's tuchus about what is happening right now is great. That is good. You also know deep down that you are definitely going to care about the decisions you make sometime in the future. You just don't care anymore until you do. <laughs> until you do. Now, I subscribe to the to, to dominant thought theory in applied psychology. Dr. Clifton Mitchell introduced me to it, and it's treated me too well for me to poke too many holes in it because I, I just it, it's it's helped me too much. And so I take it at face value more or less. And for that reason, I'm going to take you through that route. So here's where the nukes are. Put your thinking caps on, everybody. This is this is cool stuff. I freaked out about it this morning and I and I yelled at Mrs. Cashy for 10 minutes while we were walking about this. <laughs> So the, the dominant thought in the sentence, I don't care. When you look at this, let's see what I see myself here. What is the dominant thought here? Care. That's the dominant thought. That's the dominant word in this thought is care, right? And for that reason, and combined with a little bit of cognitive linguistic ninja skills, I can take a step back and really see that from a cognitive processing standpoint, this I don't care, you know what it actually means, what you're actually saying? I'll care later. That's what it translates to. Your I don't care really means I'll care later. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what this really means, okay? So this is a huge aha moment for me. So many people, programs, gurus, whatever, their mantra is that you need to convince yourself to feel some way that's a lie. They teach you to lie yourself. I hate that gross. I draw the line there. Negative feelings are okay. Negative feelings are okay. They are necessity even, just like positive feelings. Recognize your negative feelings. Understand they serve a reasonable purpose. Know that negative feelings will always be there. Burn it into your brain that negative feelings are temporary. But positive feelings are temporary too. That's why it's so important. Instead of lying to yourself about how you feel, or even more impossible, forcing yourself to feel differently than you do, or even worse than that, going through all the sad attempts of tricking yourself into liking something you loathe, instead, recognize how you feel. Accept it. It's okay. That's the way she goes. It's the way she goes. Understand that by virtue of being a human, you will feel differently later. For that reason, you can tolerate the discomfort of acting in ways that feel inconvenient now. Yes, I don't care. I'm doing this anyway. That's the way she goes. <laughs> it's the way she goes. This is where the magic is. This is how you strengthen your cognitive consistency muscles. Recognizing how you feel and accepting that and doing things the way that you need to do them anyway. <laughs> I don't care really means I'll care later. It really does, okay? 
Now, the, the, you know, the space between stimulus and response is your opportunity, and I'm here to grant you those new opportunities best I can. I hope you guys found some value out of that. I yelled at Mrs. Cashiel morning, and I freaked out when I realized that the dominant thought is care. It is. So I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I'm going to go finish the rest of this coffee with Mrs. Cashy. Y'all have a wonderful day. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out!